Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. It's so fun to be back here. I came when the church was smaller. It, it was uh, it just in your living room. And it was much smaller then. And uh, every church starts that way, right? Unless you're in a revival and a few hundred or a few thousand get saved at once. It starts in people's homes. And so I want to just start this time with you by prophesying and saying, the desire I put in your heart, says the Lord, is from me. Every single one of you that wants to open your home, do it. Stop thinking you're not qualified. It's I who am in you who is qualified, says the Lord. And as you're honest with people and tell them, hey, there's so much I don't know yet, and we'll have to ask the pastor that one, and we'll have to ask the pastor that one, the Lord says, that's fine. The more you open up to people that they can track your journey with you of grace, the easier it is for them to come in. So don't worry about being perfect first. I'm not. None of us are. Only the Lord is perfect. And yet, God is calling us to be more and more like Jesus. There is a kind of completeness that is called perfection in the scriptures where God can make us complete in our faith. And what I mean by that is if you look at James chapter 1, verse 2, he says that God's allowing problems in your life to develop patience. And can I have a mic stand to get in? And then after he develops patience, he'll, in, he'll develop endurance inside of us. And after God develops endurance, he will develop completeness in us or maturity. And you know what completeness is? Thank you so much. By the way, it was really great, the worship. Thanks. Uh, The completeness, it means like this. It means that no matter what comes in your life, you don't freak out. You don't get anxious. You don't get worried. You don't get all frustrated. You stay in what the Bible calls the rest of faith. Now, the rest of faith is the place where you stop doing your own things, just like Jesus did. He never did his own thing. He said what the Father gave him to say, and he did the things that he saw the Father was doing. Can we improve on Jesus? No. But can you do what Jesus did? Well, Jesus said in John, very clearly, John 14, 12, he says, the things I'm doing, you're going to do, and even greater things. (laughs) I I got that one. I trust you, Josh, but... (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I'll submit to almost anything. The things that I do, you'll do. So uh, what does that include? That means, that means raising the dead, right? So how many of you have raised the dead so far? Anybody? So I have three times in Jesus' name. But all I did was put my hand on somebody and pray, and the Lord raised them from the dead. And, you know, it's a big difference of, I have raised the dead. I was in a special moment with God. No, it wasn't like that. I promise you, it wasn't like that. It was just normal, but it was God being normal God. Oh, this thing's a little bit... Is my beard messing it up, or is it okay? Good? My other ear? 
Well, that's all right. We can hear you fine. All right. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much that you are very serious about helping us to relax, helping us to stop worrying about anything, but to live our whole life in union with you. And I pray that by the end of this sermon today, there would be every single person in the building that would get it, how to do this. And we could begin to live our life, the rest of our life like this. And if we're already doing it, that we would go deeper. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, amen. Okay. How many of you live in the rest of faith? You're sure of it. You know you do. Can you raise your hands? All right, it's only about a half. So let me explain what I mean by this. Uh, let's say you're tempted with pornography. Instead of trying really hard to close your eyes and move away from the computer and not think about the bad thing, what would it be instead to just already be connected with God so much so when that thing pops up, you just flip over, you push it away? What would it be like to live like that? That's the rest of faith. The rest of faith is where when insecurities come, you're already so locked in with God, so you can just give it to God and you, go, you move on. It, you know, if all authority is given, and I know you'll be talking about this more next week with Rob, but if all authority on heaven, in heaven and earth is given to Jesus, how much is left for the devil? The, this, is, this is the truth. The devil and demons, and I've been involved in full-time ministry 41 years, I have seen deliverance of more than 40,000 people. And I'm telling you the truth. Demons and Satan only get authority when it's given to them. And it's given to them through sin, which is one of the good, good reasons to get out of sin. <laughs> so you don't have the devil messing up your life. And it's given through fear and insecurity. So it's very motivating, I think, to get out of fear and insecurity so the enemy can't mess with you anymore and use you either. Because when we're in fear and we're in sin, we can be instruments for unrighteousness. We don't want that. Do you agree with me? So I'm not talking about a super spirituality. I'm talking about discovering what the Lord has done for us to grow in grace, to actually live more in union with him, getting strengthened by his power. Now, my background is a New York businessman, um, uh, playboy, selfish, self-centered. There's nothing inside of me that would warrant me to be able to stand here or to see people saved or raised from the dead or preach or anything else. Okay, For me, it's 100% grace. I didn't know anything when I came to faith, even though I am a descendant of Aaron and I grew up in the world's largest synagogue. When I asked the chief rabbi for the whole reform movement for the whole world, who was in our synagogue in New York. In other words, he leads three million Jews in their faith. And I asked him, it's bigger than Orthodox Judaism, by the way. Orthodox Jews only have two and a half million in the whole world. And I asked my chief rabbi when I was 13 years old, or just about to become 13, can I trust the Bible? Did God really part the Red Sea? You know what his answer was? Who knows, maybe it was bad weather. The important thing is to be a good person. And my heart broke. He was trying to be cool with a teenager. 
but my heart broke because I wanted to get bar mitzvah. I wanted to become a son of the, of the commandments. This is too small for me, so I'm just going to skip this one. There we go. It's cool. I'll wear it like that. Uh, I wanted to give my whole life to God. I wanted to follow him with my whole life, but I need to know if I could trust the Bible or not. And I want to say to you who are young in your faith or maybe you're 80 years old, but you're not sure about the Bible, everything that's there is for us. And you can really count on it. There might be cultural stuff that doesn't quite make sense to you, but trust the Lord. He'll fill in the gaps that you don't get. Don't let yourself get offended by ignorance. And I mean your own ignorance. Because it's us who don't get it. There's something we don't understand or we wouldn't be bothered by it. And when I was a kid, what did I ask the chief rabbi? Did God really part the Red Sea? I've had the privilege to be diving. You're thinking in meters here, right? I was 26 and a half meters down in the Red Sea, and I found a chariot wheel from the time of Moses on December 2nd, 1999. And I was so excited about it, I was trying to lift that thing off the bottom of the... You know, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you need balloons to get it up from 26 and a half meters down. We sent down professional divers. We found 600 evidences of the Red Sea crossing. And now the Egyptian authorities, 10 days ago, confirmed they found thousands of skeletons, human and horse skeletons. I'll tell you, uh, I have been... I have the rights to make a movie. I just need about $300 million to do it that will show... Well, really, it's, it's just a matter of zeros. If God, if we're living by faith and God is providing for us, it's just zeros. Does that make sense? When it's time, the Lord will make divine appointments and arrange it. And so I've, I've been wondering, how will that happen? And then I was in Israel uh, just a year and a half ago. And if you ha- when you get to Jerusalem, make sure you go to a place in Jerusalem called Friends of Zion Museum. It's one of the most high-tech museums in the world. It's run all by Israelis who have not yet come to Jesus. But the founder is a Messianic Jew like me, named Mike Evans. Now, Mike Evans went to Bibi Netanyahu's home, the Prime Minister of Israel, when he was just a teenager and prophesied that Netanyahu would be Prime Minister twice. So Mike is, is a good guy. Mike Evans is the guy who started Friends Design Museum. Why does he only have unbelieving Israelis running that museum? Because it's a museum that teaches Israelis how much Christians around the world have helped make sure Israel got refounded as a nation. Yeah. And how Christians around the world understand that they have what they have in Jesus because of the, the Jewish people. Yeah. That Jesus came from the Jewish people. He came from the seed of Abraham. And did you know when you get baptized, you're actually getting baptized into the king of Israel, the holy one of Israel, the king of the Jews. When we're baptized, we get baptized into Jesus, into Yeshua. That's how you say it in Hebrew. Why are we getting baptized into him? To get baptized into him is not only identifying with his death and what he did on the cross and resurrection, it also brings you legally into the place of receiving the new covenant that was promised to Israel and the Jews. It's not for everybody. It's for the people of the covenant. And we choose to become part of the covenant when we get baptized. Did you know that? Now, why was John the Baptist, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that ever lived. 
Why did Jesus say that? No miracles and not many future prophecies. Why would he say that about John? And I just want to mention this to you. John said amazing things. He says, all right, this is the Messiah. Already that. A prophet is as great as this message, right? This is the Messiah. Already that's great. But then he goes on. And he baptizes the people. You have to understand, at that time, baptism was only available for priests, people descended from Aaron like me, which is like less than one, one, one out of 144 of every Jewish person is a priest descendant. It's very rare. And John opened up the baptism for the whole Israel to become a holy priesthood. Jesus was born from the line of Judah. Not just the lion of Judah, but I mean the line of Judah. So he wasn't connected with the Levites. He wasn't connected with the priestly ministry. So when he, when he comes to John, John goes, even though they're cousins and he's the Messiah, John is going, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me and Jesus says, let it be done for all righteousness sake. What's he talking about? He needed to enter into his priesthood. And when he went into that priestly washing, immediately the father shows up and speaks from heaven and says, this is my son, right? And baptizes him in the Holy Spirit. Now, before he got that power from heaven, even though he was the word of God that became flesh, even though he was the son of God, he needed the empowering, the grace, before he could start his ministry. And he said the same thing to his apostles. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you get the grace, until you get the empowering, until you get the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the next thing John the Baptist says? He says, Jesus is the one who is going to continuously baptize you. Not just once. But I know for me, I turn to God about 10 times a day to get refilled with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not that I've lost it. I just want more. I want to be saturated. And if you live your life saturated with the Holy Spirit and the fire, you will become aware of God's will in situations. Otherwise, you will miss it. You'll be aware of what the Father wants done. You'll be more able to hear communications. And more importantly, when we have the fire, the oil and the fire, we become lights. People become attracted to us. And the gifts of the Spirit, whatever is needed in a situation, will easily flow out of you. Whether it's prophecy or miracle, whatever. And what is so interesting is if you have the fire, then you can have fervent prayer. Fervent love. Fervent service. And otherwise, you know what it's like? I mean, every pastor knows what it's like. Jesus, do it because you have to. And struggling. But God's saying, in Finnish, you say, tule, tule. Bo, bo in Hebrew. Come, come and let me give you this rest of faith where you quit from your own efforts and you get saturated with the Holy Spirit. So what did John the Baptist say? He's the one who's going to keep filling you with the Holy Spirit and the fire. And I'm not talking about you have to go to a conference and Rodney Howard Brown say, fire, fire. And then, whoop, you know, and I'm not talking about that. You don't have to have a full-time uh, prophet or apostle or evangelist who follows you around, fire, fire, who makes sure that you get filled with fire. It's enough that Jesus himself is watching us from heaven and he is ready to fill us with the spirit and fire every time we turn to him. 
Don't worry about the manifestations in your body. Look for the manifestation in your sensitivity to God's personal instruction to you. And God making you aware of what's going on around you with other people. Remember I told you I've seen three people raised from the dead? Each one of those times, I did not know in the morning I would be doing that. I didn't get an instruction in prayer. But if you live your whole life like this that I'm going to show you now, then you won't miss it when you get a divine appointment from God, a prepared work of service to raise someone from the dead or to heal someone. Here's what I would like you to do. Here's what God wants you to do. Have you ever been to a really fancy restaurant? The really fancy restaurant, the waiter comes. Is there anything else? Anything at all? This is waiting upon the Lord. God wants us to wait upon him. To expect instruction. Thus says the Lord, if you expect instruction, you will receive instruction. If you don't expect instruction, you will not receive instruction. The Lord says it is not more complicated than that. That's not my words, that's his. Should I repeat it or did you get it? Repeat it, please. <laughs> Good for you. Whoever said that, that's real humility. I'll tell you, because most of us, we hear something like that, it sounds, wow, that's really profound, that's really cool. What did he say? <laughs> it's just like that. If we expect instruction, we will receive instruction. If we expect instruction, we will receive instruction. If we don't expect instruction, then what we're actually doing is blocking the flow between us and God. Imagine a tube now, a clear tube between me and heaven, okay? God wants there to be a flowing in of instruction right from Jesus at the right hand of the Father down to where I'm at and where you're at by the Holy Spirit. Continuous instruction, continuous filling with the Holy Spirit, filling with fire, filling with instructions or wisdom. And when we go into unbelief and we think, oh, I didn't pray enough, so I can't get it now. Oh, I was tempted this morning and I actually fell. Okay, I'm disqualified. Oh, I'm not sure if God really means what he says. And thousands of other reasons that we become double-minded. You take that garden hose and you fold it in half. Ladies, have your husbands had a phone call sometime and he's watering the garden and you're calling to him, he's got a phone call, he doesn't hear what you said, so he folds, he doesn't go and turn off the tap. Almost no guys do that. Maybe Gideon would, he's very considerate. But, you know, most guys, they just fold the hose. Well, that's what we do. We fold the hose to heaven when we have our objections. I'm not holy enough. I'm not mature enough. Lord, I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. I didn't read the Bible enough. I'm not worthy. Listen, the first time I raised somebody from the dead, I was four hours that night. God, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. Five after five in the morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, you're right. But I have good news for you. You have a lot of company. He said all of humanity is unworthy. It's only Jesus that's worthy. Listen, I've been 41 years in full-time ministry. I'm still not worthy of myself. It's only Jesus who's worthy. So get over yourself. Get over all the excuses and start living in childlike simplicity 
of continuously receiving the Holy Spirit, the glory fire of God, which gives you fervency, gives you power, gives you motivation, and continuously listen for wisdom. Now, why am I telling you to continuously listen to wisdom? I know there's some of you thinking, oh, that's just for YWAMers to hear the voice of God. Or, you know, or that's just for prophets. And here's the word of God I'm going to read for you. And you must submit to the word of God. Okay? The word of God is, we're getting the best of the best of the best of the best apostles and prophets and the Lord himself who ever lived. We're getting the best of what they have to say. I mean, come on. It's really worth it. And you're not, if you're not good, some people say, I'm just not good at reading the Bible. Fine. Are you able to listen to a cassette or to a CD or an MP3 or whatever? I have the Bible on in my kitchen. I have the Bible on in my car. I had John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16 on in my car for five years. So I learned it by heart. And it started going inside of me. And the preaching, the message today is living in union with God. And I'm going to go around it a little bit first, and then I'll close with telling you how to actually live in union with God and how to notice when you're not in union with God. This thing was not made for my head. Hallelujah. Father, we ask you to do a miracle right now. Either make my head smaller or this thing bigger. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to go from the scripture for a while. Let's start with Paul, and then we'll upgrade to Jesus. Does that sound good? All right, go. If you have a Bible with you, go to 2 Timothy 3, 17. 2 Timothy 3, 17. And when we read this, remember, the New Testament was not canonized at this point. Do you understand what I mean? When he talks about the scriptures here, He's talking about the Old Testament. Now, be honest. How many of you have read from the Old Testament in the last month? Okay, that's good. Um, a little more than half. Be honest now. How many of you almost never bother with the Old Testament? Okay. I want to motivate you to bother. Okay? Here's what Paul says, 2 Timothy. And I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 15. From childhood, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. So the Old Testament scriptures help us to be wise for salvation through faith. But the revelation of Jesus comes in the New Testament. Does that make sense? But the whole Old Testament is pointing to faith. King David, Moses, everybody's pointing to faith in God. But now, we have access like the Jews never had. How often did the high priest get to go into the Holy of Holies? Once a year. Now, how many guys got to go into the Holy of Holies? One. We have access every day to not just go into the Holy of Holies that's on earth, but because we have, are, are you with me? I don't want to lose you because this sounds so spiritual. Some people go to sleep when, when you talk about things that sound too cosmic. Stay with me. I literally am in connection at this very second with no arrogance, no pride in what I'm saying. I'm literally right at this moment in connection with Jesus Christ, who's at the right hand of the Father. And many of you in this building are too. 
Now let's take a moment and all get in there, okay? Lord, thank you for filling us now with your Holy Spirit and your fire so we can be in connection with you. We can be an extension of you. We can have your fire. Thank you, Lord, for opening us up now, expanding our inner area. And this is what the Lord says, I allow problems in your life to expand your inner area. I allow problems in your life that you must turn to me and in turning to me and me meeting you there, I expand inside of you how much you live in relationship with me to get your help. And therefore, those of you who have high callings, I allow many problems. But in every problem, I will meet you and help you, says the Lord. And I will give you patience. For every promise of God is achieved not only through faith, but through patience. And I will give you endurance, says the Lord. And I will give you completeness. So that no matter what is thrown at you, you will stay at peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read it together. All... Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now, we're talking about Old Testament. All right, so I'm going to read it like that. All the Old Testament is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Real righteousness. Righteousness in, means righteous acts that you do. Yes, we receive our righteousness through the Holy Spirit's empowering by what Jesus has done on the cross. But he actually enables us to live a righteous life. You know, as a Jew, I didn't take serious most Christians that talked to me because they were living in fornication with their girlfriends. So why should I listen to them? They didn't have any more power than I did. But when somebody acts righteously and they really do everything right by the power of God, by the grace of God, not legalistically, it, people pay attention to you then. You, get, you connect with the authority that's from the Lord. You know why? All authority in heaven and earth is given to him. He's waiting to give it to us. But we have to be on the receiving end. And you will not be on the receiving end. It's just the way it is if you have a bad conscience. But if you have a good conscience, then you're bold to receive from God. Is this making sense? Am I going too fast, too high, or is it feel just right? Okay, let's go on then. The Old Testament is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, here comes a really strong exhortation from Paul. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. Not yet. Not yet. At his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You can't imagine how many people, I've been at their bedside when they're dying, and they say, I regret I didn't share the gospel more. I regret I didn't obey Jesus more when he was leading me to share with other people. I made the excuse during my lifetime I wasn't an evangelist, but now as I'm on my deathbed, I realize there's so many people I would have liked to share with. So I'm going to prophesy to you who are not evangelists in the room tonight or this morning. You ready? Yeah. Here's what the Lord says to you who are not evangelists. 
You're my witnesses. You're my witnesses. And I want you to give my testimony, says the Lord. You don't even have to give yours. The Lord says, give my testimony. Tell what I did for them. Tell them, you're not an evangelist. You don't have all the answers. But you love them enough that you want them to know. And God says, how will you know what part of the good news to tell them? Ask me, says the Lord. Expect me to give you instruction. Let's keep going. I want to go now to upgrade to what Jesus says. Because Jesus is an upgrade from Paul. Never forget that. Okay? Some people get that wrong. Here's what Jesus, or can you say Yeshua? Yeshua is actually what he was called when he was in Israel. Nobody called him Jesus. You know, it would be like calling Gideon uh, uh, gridiron. You know, I mean, it would be strange. So it's, uh, although, you know, okay. So, uh, (laughs) hallelujah. Let's read what Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. He doesn't say, I am the light of the world. Of course he was the light of the world. But he says, now you are the light of the world. The purpose of him coming is to make us lights. To make us children of God for eternity. To make us able to do the good works, the prepared works of service he has for every one of us. You know, we'll get to Ephesians 2.10 later in the preaching. Gideon already mentioned it today. But we are his workmanship. And God has made every one of us in this room and made divine appointments. And he knew about them before he created the earth. God intentionally created the universe, I was reading this morning in the Bible, so big so that we can't see the end of it. Because he says, if you can see the end of the universe, then I'll break my word to the Jewish people and to the rest of you. But he doesn't break his word. And yet, all this stuff with the universe and the earth as it presently is, it's temporary. If you look at yourself, yourself later, in 2 Peter chapter 3, three times the Apostle Peter says, Everything you see on the earth now and the present heavens are all going to burn up. That's why the Lord has to catch us up from the earth. Angels will personally escort every one of us to meet the Lord in the air while there's judgment on the earth. And then the Lord will totally renew the earth and give us a new heaven and a new earth. But, you know, I used to be an ecology guy when I was young. But listen, all this is going to burn up. So invest in people more than dolphins. More than whales. Seriously, there's no angels who are going to bring the whales up with us. No turtles, no dogs, sorry. No, no cats. No, not even your dog. Hallelujah. And even no matter what a wonderful marriage you have, you're not going to be married up there. So during the time we're here, let's serve one another. Let's love one another. You, listen, this is what the Lord says. And please get, get this now. This is a mystery. But how much Gideon loves Catherine, Catherine loves Gideon, how much each of you love one another. Now, it's your gift to God. It's what qualifies you or disqualifies you for all the rest of your ministry. Now, if one person leaves the other, okay, if you continue to love and not get bitter, you keep your authority. Does that make sense? Forgive, forgive, love. But if the other person moves on, they are in a new relationship, there's nothing you can do about it. Get wisdom from God what to do with your life. Let's keep our consciences clear. 
Let's be people of love, fervent love, fervent prayer, fervent service. You ready? We're, we're in the words of Yeshua now. I'm getting to the main point here. I love what the Lord says. Let your light, this is Matthew 5, 16. So you are the light of the earth. Let your light so shine before men so that they will see those good, prepared works of service. That they'll see them. And glorify your Father in heaven. So November 19th, I was on a train from Helsinki to uh, Turku, Finland. The first city to the second city of Finland. The night before, I had done six TV programs, because I have a TV program a couple, a couple times a week there in Northern Europe. And I had an hour and a half live special where they bring sick people into the studio. And the only thing I require is that there be unbelieving doctors there who can verify the results. Because I want to raise the bar of integrity in the healing and miracle ministry. Does that make sense? Amen. So I'm like, my whole mind is inundated with all this scripture. I mean, I have 142 scriptures are just in my mind. And then the next day I'm on a train and a guy dies. And after about 25 minutes, 30 minutes, they realize he's not just sleeping deeply. He has no pulse. He has no breath. He started to lose his coloring. You follow what I'm saying? His name was Lowry. I have a picture of him in my phone. His wife was next to him. She had watched my TV program. The children were on the train. The grandchildren. So the daughter starts screaming, Lowry, Lowry! And she's trying to shake him, but he's dead. He's gone. So she says, stop the train! Is there a doctor? And a doctor comes, comes up. And I wait for her to move away. And I know the Holy Spirit is leading me. And I go and I lay my hand on his head and pray in Jesus' name or in Yeshua's name that he'll come back to life now. And when I said the word now, I felt the power go out. And he opened his eyes like this. And then I just quietly sat back down. And then the Lord reminded me of this scripture. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works. They had seen them but glorify your Father in heaven. And the Lord says, they're not going to know to give me the glory if you don't get back up and explain it. So my desire was just to be humble. And a lot of us have that desire. We do good things and we just hide. Stop it, says the Lord. Stop it. For my sake, stand up and tell them where you got your power. I'm going to tell you something now that's going to hurt some of you. It's going to hurt some of you. Some of you have been deceived for 20, 30 years thinking... I'm not going to preach. I'm going to preach with my life. I'm going to just preach by being so filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit that people will see the kingdom in me and they'll ask me, well, here's what the Lord says to you. I know it's going to hurt a little bit, so get ready. Don't get offended. Just go to him to get your healing now and <laughs> repentance, which means turning to him for help, okay? You ready? The Lord says, when you live like that, you know who they glorify? You. They think you are the most wonderful woman, the most wonderful man. They glorify you, says the Lord, not my Father. But if you open your mouth and you tell them, if there's something in me that you appreciate or respect, I promise you, it's what I've received from God. And give the honor to God. So I got back up and I said, I went back to the lady 
And I said to her and to her husband, do you know what just happened? And I said, when I prayed for your husband and the Lord brought him back from the dead, it's the Lord, the same Lord who wants to give you eternal life, who wants us to give him every part of our life. He raised your husband up from the dead and he has purpose for your life, sir. And there was, I, I never usually travel first class, but that day the Lord had actually told me to go first class. So there's a lot of people who actually have some important jobs in Finland who are watching this and it starts to spread out and there's a news reportage about it now. That's okay. Don't worry about becoming proud. We are unworthy except by the grace of God. It's his work. But we have to stop being secret agents. Stop it. Let's obey Jesus. What did he say the night before he gets crucified? I want you to love one another the way I love you. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to answer it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. I only do what the Father reveals he wants me to do. That's how you love people like Jesus. He said, I only say what the Father gives me to say. That's how you love people like Jesus. The Lord says, come to me and expect that I am this generous, that I want to give you the right words at the right time for the right people continuously. Let's look at this. I just want to read here first. I'll say it again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets, the Old Testament. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, now we're going back to what 2 Peter talks about, when heaven and earth pass away, when the Lord comes back. That's not yet. But Jesus says this, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle, not the least little point of the Old Testament will pass away until all is fulfilled. Now, not all is fulfilled yet. When he said it is finished, he meant it is finished his job. And it is finished the old covenant's time. He dies, and the next moment, the new covenant is in power. Does that make sense? But there's still things on this earth that have yet to be fulfilled. Has the gospel been preached for everyone yet? He can't come back until the gospel is preached for everyone. He wants everyone be saved. It says also in 2 Peter 3 that that's why God delays. It's not no one would be lost if you've wondered that. So here we go. For assuredly I say to you, not one jot or tittle or by no means pass away until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments. You see... The Ten Commandments still has value, even though our righteousness is received by faith, our salvation is based only on what Jesus did on the cross, the Ten Commandments still has value. Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is saying here. And not just the Ten Commandments. What's special about the Ten Commandments is you had several million people who were standing in front of God and God the Father personally giving the Ten Commandments. And the people were freaking out, and they say to Moses, you can read it yourself, Please, Moses, we're too scared. You get the rest from God, and we'll listen to you. That's why those ten are called the testimony, or the Ten Commandments written in stone. 
The rest of them, 613 commandments altogether, Moses received. They still have value. We've just read from Paul and Jesus for instruction in righteousness. I'm not saying you have to do those things, but listen to what Jesus says. Listen, it's so cool. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches people to break them will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does what is written and teaches it shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness, and he's talking about righteousness means right behavior. Are you with me? Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So how does it work? The Lord's grace. He gives us righteousness. He gives us the power to be holy. There was no way I was going to stop being so impure. I mean, my friends said when I came to faith, if you can go six months without sex, we'll know there's a God because I was a sexaholic. I'm so ashamed to say. Why am I ashamed to say? I have three daughters, three sons, and a grandson. I don't think it's cool to be a sexaholic. I was like a rabbit. Uh, I just thank God I don't have a whole bunch of diseases, you know. But the Lord cleansed me. And the righteousness that comes by faith actually will cleanse you from the impure things in your life. By the time I met Catherine, I met Catherine when she was 21. I met Gideon when he was just 18. You know, God had already given me purity. I was able to help other guys to stop doing the stuff that we want to stop doing <clears throat> so we can have a clear conscience in front of God. And then my leaders in Youth with a Mission put me in the middle of the red light district. <laughs> you know, when I was a pastor in Hawaii 38 years ago, I had my whole church pray for me. It was a church about this size. Uh, um, and I had the whole church pray for me to uh, overcome the lust of the eyes. And then they put me smack in the middle of the red light district. So the first day I'm there, I'm walking like this because there's 26 windows with naked ladies with see-through stuff, I have to walk past just to get from where I was to my friend's place who became my wife later. 26 naked ladies. So I was walking like this. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're not a very good neighbor. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to learn to look the ladies in the eyes and don't go south. I'll help you. That's the grace of God. That's the righteousness of God. It's not just like, well, I'm going to be all kinds of perverted, but I'm righteous by, by faith. That's nonsense. The righteousness God gives us is real. It's real. It works into us. It gives us power. Jesus says, for I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness, you're not entering the kingdom of heaven. No fornicator, no liar, no thief, no homosexuals entering the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Bible says in three different places. But we were those things before. I'm not that anymore. And if you fail a million times, the Lord will forgive you a million times. He's not out to judge us. Feel safe this morning because even if you're the biggest baby in the, in the building, you are so specially loved. And God is so patient. Wow, he's been so patient with me. And he'll be so patient with you. Because he's our daddy. He's only out to help us. Look what Jesus says. You've heard it said in the Old Testament, don't murder. I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says, you fool, be in danger of hell fire. I'm serious. 
Jesus is serious, we need to live in union with him. And then there's no worries. You see, the grace message is truth. It's absolute truth. To live in the grace of God protects you from all judgment. So stay in union with God. How do you do it? Stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Stay filled with the fire. And remember, the devil has no authority or power in your life if you've come to the Lord for help in every area. That's why it says in James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Not my will, but your will, Lord, in every area. And open up to get filled with the Holy Spirit and the fire. And then when you resist the enemy, he has no power or authority. He has to go. It's true. I remember the first time when I was a young believer, and I, the Lord was teaching me this, and I was experiencing the enemy choking me. But I was thinking of that scripture. So I was like turning to God. Okay, Lord, I trust you. Give you my whole life in every area. I resist the enemy in Jesus' name. You may not do this with me now in Jesus' name. And it let go. I never had it again. The enemy attacks us because he can. So just cut off the possibility through trusting the Lord and knowing who you are in him. Now, the first time, you might need help from one of the pastors or elders or somebody in the church. That's fine. As many times as you need help, get the help. But God wants us to grow in grace. Amen? Okay, now, I want to get into the new covenant. You find this in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 to 34. It talks about the new covenant. But Paul also repeats this in Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 8 to 12. So I just want to read verse 10 to 12. And I'm going to read for you, quoting from the prophet Jeremiah, from the Hebrew, original Hebrew. Because unfortunately, sometimes in the English language, we lose something. Okay, you ready? Now, why is this so important? This is the new deal between God and us. This is the new deal. What is the new covenant? I'm going to say it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 to 12. Here we go. Four promises of God. See, if, try to pick them out now. What are the four promises of God? Everybody listening? You okay? It's only eight more minutes preaching. You got it? All right. Verse 8. Because we want to do communion at the end, right? Okay. We got to focus. Here we go. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now, you're included because you've been baptized into the king of Israel. You're good. I will put my laws in their mind. Terrible translation. The word in Hebrew is Torah. Okay? The Torah of God is the Ten Commandments, the instruction of God. The Torah of God is also the law of Moses. That's also Torah, instruction. But Jesus is the total word of God. Jesus is the total Torah of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's the word of God. Torah is not just laws. It's laws, instruction, wisdom. I will put my Torah, which in our modern day language, we think of the Greek word rhema. I'll put my instructions, my impressions, my word, my laws, in your mind and your heart. It's the whole package, everybody. Do you understand? 
I'm not just giving you my interpretation. This is truth. I will put my, if you insist on just what's already in the English, then the law of love. I'll put the law of love in your heart, in your mind. I will put instructions in your heart and mind. Listen, if you don't know this, you won't expect it. If you don't expect it, you'll go around doing your own thing the rest of your life. But if you begin to see this is normal Christianity, this is normal sons and daughter of God stuff, that God, that as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God. We can be led by God. He wants to lead us. He wants to give us instructions. You can love like Jesus. That's what he said the last night before he was crucified. I want you to love like I love, by getting instructions from God and obeying them. And what was the last thing he said before he went to heaven? Go and preach this. Go and proclaim this for all other peoples. Every one of us can help in that. Yeah. Let's finish reading this. I, I love this. This is the covenant I'll make. I will put my law, my, my instruction in your mind and your heart. Number two, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. That's the basis of healing. He is our God in everything that he is as God. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And we are his people. That's the basis of Jesus saying seven times in John's gospel. Whatever we ask, based on the instruction we get from God, and then we ask it in prayer, it will be received. Seven times. But you've got to get the instructions first. The third one, you will all know me from the least to the greatest. And the word in Hebrew is yada. It means to live in union with God. That's the message. How will we know him? Thus says the Lord. You will know me as you are filled with my spirit and receive my instructions. You will understand my mind. As you receive my instructions how to love people, you will know me. As you love people, according to what I reveal to you, you will know me. Amen. You know me based on how you learn to love. This is how you know me. This is how you know me, says the Lord. It's by finding out my will and living in my will. And finally, I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds. I'll remember no more. We say in New York, God chooses to forget about it. Forget about it. So now I have to finish the message. You know, here's what uh, the little brother of Jesus says in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you ask, remember I quoted James at the beginning? God allows problems for patience and then endurance and then completion or perfection. That our faith is unshakable. But, it says in verse 5, but if you lack wisdom in any area, which is Jewish humor because we all lack wisdom in every area. Okay, it's being modest. He says, when you lack wisdom, by the way, or any other spiritual gift, words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, miracles, whatever you lack, go to God in faith, in his character, not faith in your faith. Do I believe enough to get healed? Do I believe enough to get a word for somebody? Stop that. Oh, a wheelchair is coming out. Now I'm scared. Stop that. Stop that. Do you believe his promises? Yes. Do you believe in that his, in his unchanging character? Yes. That's where God wants our faith. Amen? So if we have our faith in him, and his unchanging promises, then you just flow in prepared works of service. And that was the last scripture I'm going to give you. Ephesians 2.10. How wonderful. Do you know what it says? We are his workmanship. 
We are his new creation. And we have been created to do good works in Christ. Prepared works from before the earth even existed. The Lord knows. And I want to say to you, never go miss, don't miss out on the prepared works every day. It might be that what's needed. What are the prepared works? It's what's needed in the situation. It's what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say in the situation. If it's raising somebody from the dead, do it. If it's healing somebody, do it. If it's evangelizing, do it. If it's just helping in the kitchen, do it. If it's scrubbing a toilet, do it. If it's encouraging somebody, do it. Do everything as unto the Lord. Get the instruction from him. And let's take of his body and blood now. In this mindset, Lord, we thank you that you have promised that as we take of the bread and the wine, we do it in remembrance of you and that you still want to heal people's bodies, that even in this communion time, there will be healing. We, Lord, we thank you that you forgive us all our sins, that we are now your children. So let's please give out the bread and the wine if there's people to do that. And here's what the Lord says to you. I want you to take this and remember, I have come giving my body willingly, dying on the cross willingly, shedding my blood willingly, so you can have the new covenant. That you can live receiving instructions from me. That you've become my people. It's my joy to do my works through you, says the Lord. Thank you. Wow, that's nice. It's my joy that you would know me. And how will you know me? Oh, dear children, I want you to live in union with me, says the Lord, by continuously looking to me to fill you with my spirit and my Shekinah fire and receiving my instructions. And as you're filled with my spirit and as you're receiving my instructions, you will know me. You will live in union with me. Yeshua said, Three times, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. How do you do it? You st- Everybody with me? Not my will, but yours, Lord. Can you say that now? That's what Jesus had to say before he went to the cross. It says in Luke 14, 27, we need to take up our cross daily. Let's do that right now. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Thank you for giving your body for us. Third promise. We'll all live in union with him from the least to the greatest. That's what the word yada or knowing God means. This is what the Lord says. It's my will that you would live in union with me. So don't resist me. Just say yes to me and my instructions and say no to your own fleshly desire. As you walk in the spirit, you will not be a slave to your flesh anymore. I'll help you love one another, says the Lord. I'll help you with everything. So I'm just waiting for the last people to get their cups. And I'll just say the prayer in Hebrew, okay? Okay. Hamotzi lechem minels b'shem Yeshua ve'abba ve'ruach hakodesh. Amen. Let's take of the bread now and the wine. 
Gideon wanted me to share a testimony. I'll finish with that testimony. When I'm not preaching, uh, my, my focus is 50% of my time I go to unreached people with the gospel. And when I'm not on mission trip or on a trip like this, then every Sunday at my home city of about a million people, I'm in the main shopping center preaching the gospel. And the Lord's given me a blessing to raise up a team of 35 people. So we're every day there. One day the chairman for the shopping center came by to thank me for being there. And I said, I noticed that everybody else, the police move along. Why do you, why do you ha- let us stay here? And he says, there's never been a violent crime in 15 years since you've been here. And he says, statistically, when you're preaching about the kingdom of God, turning to God, the shoplifting and stealing goes down up to 70%, but never less than 40 And he said, there's only been one complaint in 15 years about you being here, and that shop was closed a month later. So we just figure God's with you. <laughs> Thank you for the time together. You should know you have an awesome, for real, pastor couple who are really called to be an apostles. So here's the word I have for the church. This is called to be a church of holy balance where there is people saturated with the fire, saturated with the Holy Spirit, but also walking in wisdom able to reach every kind of person in Christ church. And from this church, including Catherine and Gideon, because they have a national calling on them, you won't always have them here. I'm going to influence the entertainment industry and the government and business and every area. I'm going to raise up people in the church that will saturate every area of life in New Zealand. But look around. Look around. A third of you will be gone within five years, says the Lord, for I'll send you out into missions around the world. I have need of you. I love you. There's a reason you're called Harmony Church. You're the place of peace in this city. So God is reminding Gideon this morning, be the father. Reach out to all the other pastors, even if they treat you unfairly, even if they do things unwise. You be the bigger man. You be my son. Let there be harmony in the city, says the Lord. Thank you all very much.